they just invite people to come. Not invite people, just like the yeah. public, whoever wants to come. Um, huh. And just like have drinks and talk about art. Very cool. Yeah. You know, vodka means little water. In Russian or? Okay. Yeah. Vodka. Um, well, let me do a proper intro since okay. we're kind of just talking here. Uh, this is entitled, the podcast is entitled Today, Maybe Forever. And so it's kind of a, a play on time and, and, uh, and place. You know, today is, is finite, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of a day. But within that day, you can divide it any number of infinite ways in terms of just time. Mm-hmm. Um, forever, you know, is, is also finite, but it's infinite. Like, it's always this forward in the future thing that doesn't mm-hmm. really have an, an end date, but yeah. it's out there. Um, and then maybe it's kind of the, the notion of the choices that we make kind of in between mm-hmm. these, these, these moments. So uh, today may be forever. That's that's how we're here talking. Yeah. And uh, I'm Floyd Hall. Glad to have some time with Mark Lieber, visual artist, among other things. And we're here at Atlanta Contemporary. And this is a bit of a different production space for me. But we're here in the resource room, in the open air gallery space, so to speak. And we're in the, the public domain, if you will. So you'll hear people walking in. You'll hear construction, as you kind of hear in the background now. Uh, because this is Atlanta, um, <laughs> you'll you'll hear people kind of uh, just kind of ducking in and out. So hopefully uh, you'll feel like you're in this space with us having a conversation. So, uh, Mark, thank you for having some time with me or spending some having some time to spend some time with me yeah. today. I'm here forever, forever <laughs> and today and today. Yeah. Um, one of my big regrets about um, last December's. Uh, Art Miami, Art Basel, was that we did not get a chance to connect. I know, right? We were kind of playing like text tag mm-hmm. over a couple of different days, and uh, you just kind of, you know, pulled in fifty different directions. Yeah. And I think the moment when the, the night where we were going to connect, Stephen got sick. I think. I think it was me. Or you got sick. <laughs> you got sick. I uh, I had enjoyed myself a little bit too much. Someone got sick. I was on my way over to the hotel. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, not got to take it in. And I know. So, it, was, it was finally the time that <laughs> right. we actually got to uh, all gather as Atlantans there. And uh, I knew I had to get up early in the morning, and it wasn't quite looking like I was going to be the best social uh, contributor. So I I ended up uh, making sure that Steve got me in a, in a lift. And, yeah. And uh, I got myself home. And sometimes we need we need friends like that that can make sure that we get where we get where we need to be. Um, so one of the things that I always enjoy talking with you about is, is like process. I think you're yeah. very process intensive, yeah. curious kind of artist. Yeah. You do a lot of tinkering. I think in your studio, you, sure. you know a lot of testing. Uh, where did that come from for you in terms of just like the 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 intrigue with you know the process of of playing around of yeah. of testing different things. God, that's a really good question. Well, I'll say the characteristic of mine that enables it is procrastination. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because when I'm tinkering, it means I'm not finishing. Um, so, as you might know, I have drawers and drawers of, of work on paper, and uh, a lot of it is still in process. Um, so, I mean, what's great about that is when the idea finally strikes, I, I have 
lots of things that have history on it and uh, uh, which brings me to another thought I'm going to try to answer your question um, well, I don't know where it started maybe it'll come up okay. as I'm thinking about stuff but what I like about it is that you know as a as a frustrated uh, musician meaning I have no skill um, I like to think about you know how I have just an overload of influences and some of my favorite musicians have the ability to bring so many sounds into one album and at least that's the way that I justify what I do and I think I've tamed that impulse to some degree and kind of narrowed the focus um, over the last couple of years but in the process um, you know I've noticed a really large indebtedness to photography and lens based artifacts um, so I spent a good number of years in, in Rochester, New York uh, part of that time being uh, uh, a grad student at RIT and um, I've been thinking more and more about just sort of my own personal story that's wrapped up in photography um, and my story being multi-generational so kind of the bigger the bigger story of how I ended up in Hawaii um, and even just the the larger um, kind of connective tissue of my visual history okay. if that makes any sense um, so you know I inherited my grandparents uh, photo collection and slides and all that sort of thing and so you know most of these pictures are not pictures of home you know so we were, earlier we were talking uh, before recording about social media you know I think the common refrain about Instagram at least is like it's picture perfect vacation land kind of stuff and all these slides are either pictures in Florida or in Honolulu and so all of these images are full of palm trees and kind of you know maybe some modernist architecture and you know like there's a lot of similarities between Miami and Honolulu in terms of art deco architecture two to three story kind of structures that are close to the beach and so when I'm you know running into you or not running into you in Miami um, I'm having strange flashbacks and, and false senses of, of having been someplace before um, and a lot of my uh, physical history has been erased, like literally gone. In uh, in Hawaii? Yeah. Uh, the majority of homes that I've lived in no longer exist. Um, buildings and college, uh, hospital that I was mended in and taken care of uh, growing up, like it was blown up on Magnum PI. Or rather, Magnum PI used it to, you know... Uh, as part of their narrative um, and so I have this very strange relationship to my like real physical space being manipulated through editing or through some sort of lens based medi mediated kind of uh, uh, artifact you mm. know? and so um, and I also have I have issues with like my own memories um, uh, I don't really talk about this, but at one point I was diagnosed with PTSD, and uh, which sounds insane because I'm not a soldier. I've never done anything that uh, you would typically associate that with. Um, but just 
all I can say is so many things that happened and uh, but when I heard that I thought oh fuck that I'm fine <laughs> I, uh, that's all I needed to hear and I felt I felt better when somebody said that to me and I thought hell no you know I've never had to kill anybody I've never seen um, that at least in my own hands um, um, so anyway back to the, the visual part like uh, you know I, I got to where I was painting my own negatives and making prints off of these fake uh, negatives and, and really breaking down those images and um, so I think a lot of that still plays in to my painting you know even though it's a it's a completely different medium mm-hmm. um, but as you know the painting that I did of you yeah um, I've been able to kind of reconnect to some of the things I used to dream of in the backseat of the car you know driving around with my parents and uh, it was it was always some kind of a scene that I was trying to imagine it was never a full narrative you know it was never a writer at heart but I think as an image maker or as like a scene maker um, I've been daydreaming or dreaming about that for decades now and so I think for me there's kind of this full circle right now where uh, you know, I get to play a director for a tiny bit and have somebody there and, like, you know, make it a collaborative effort. That's that's part of the goal, at least. And I think the series is evolving in terms of what it is, you know. Is it a portrait? Is it a, is it a character? Um, and I'm trying to, like, let that be a little bit organic and, and play with that. Yeah. Now, I've only ever known you as a visual artist and so learning more about you over time learning that you have a dance background yeah that's the part that is (laughs) is hardest uh, to imagine because one I've never seen you dance but not dance in like a public sense but just like I've, I've always seen you move at a certain speed right and so imagining you know you as a a dance artist or as a movement artist. Right, right. I'm trying to imagine you and how you you relate to your body and, you know, spatially. Right. right. Um, and maybe how that particular expression uh, informs or does not inform, yeah. you know, your uh, visual work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the other part of that is I used to play water polo and swim. Okay. And so I, I, I used to joke that over time, I've worn more and more clothes. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. you know, I, I went. I can still remember the the first day I wore speedos, and uh, at least publicly, <laughs> and I had to kind of uh, take the plunge. Literally, mm-hmm. I ran mm-hmm. from the bathroom into the pool, and uh, and then so when I when I when I made the the leap, uh, if you will, uh, to dance, you know, I could wear. A much larger speedo called the leotard mm-hmm. or a unitard or yeah. whatever we called it, and uh, yeah, I mean that was uh, that was quite a rich time in my life in college at Berkeley, and got to work with uh, as an extra in the dance theater of Harlem. Oh yeah, hung out with people from Alvin Ailey. Um, that's with uh, Arthur with two uh, Mitchell, uh, I believe. Yeah, Arthur Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Um, and uh, for some reason at that time, people would always confused me with like an adult some a mature <laughs> a mature adult and he, he Arthur I watched him give a class one day and uh, 
afterwards he made a comment to me that you know he gave me much too much credit and uh same same went with Bilty Jones and like you know these just amazing characters would come through Berkeley um uh Mark Morris mm-hmm. um uh so yeah I but you know I am um, there came a time in my life where I just I had to make a choice and between um, I think dance and being a visual artist and I just realized that the the scenario that I had in college was just was like was perfect and it was almost impossible to recreate it once mm. I once I graduated and uh, I think that's I mean a lot of people don't realize what how good it is when you're in school um, but you know you have to be somewhere at a certain time and have to have a really good network of people and it just never happened but it, I still have a dream of getting back to it even as a rickety old middle-ager um, one day I have a, I have the notion of, of getting back into it um, at least on film and so you know I've been I've been considering how uh, I can work with people to to bring dance at least into a painting. Yeah, um, and I've, I've been considering bringing sound into some of my my work and, and creating an installation. But at least um, you have that 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 language already, right? Yeah. So you know, with with collaboration, there's I imagine there's always this this early point of exploration where you're trying to figure out where the common language is and how to interpret and yeah. you know bring certain things into mm-hmm. a certain space. I feel like you already have that language, at least on a certain level, to mm-hmm. to understand how to communicate through dance or with you know movement artists mm-hmm. to make that a part of what you do. So I mean, I think yeah. there's some some strong reference point there yeah. that you can always go back to and bring forward. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, I look forward to it. I'm going to do it. I think within the year or two. Okay. So we'll figure it out. Um, you wear so many hats, you know, and I think, you know, we never have enough time to talk about everything that you're always involved with. But, you know, from your own visual work to, uh, you know, teaching students, up and coming artists uh, at Tech or I think at GSU prior to. Yeah. Um, but also curating or leading a space or co-leading a space uh, with day and night projects. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so, you know, and also being a dad. I mean, they have all these, sure. these, these different hats yeah. um, as an artist. Uh, and maybe in collaboration with William and uh, Stephen um, at Day and Night, you know, what what prompted that to become more of a formalized thing for you? Hmm. In terms of creating the space or just yeah. sort of making space in your own practice, in your own studio space for what... Well, maybe we should say what Day and Night is for, for people sure. who aren't familiar. Uh, well, we're in the middle of writing our mission statement <laughs> even after all this time okay uh, <clears throat> but um, Day and Night Projects is uh, an artist run uh, project space at our studio in the uh, Southern Mills building also sometimes known as Ambient Studios mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we have a 3,000 square foot space that had already been carved up and the uh the space that looked as though it was the executive uh, office space with the uh, fake brick paneling and all that just beckoned as a gallery. Uh, First time I saw it, really, when we walked into the lobby space, um, you know, there was a single divider. I could see that knocked down immediately. Um, But there was just something about the 
that connection between the lobby and the sort of the public space and the interior almost fishbowl aspect to it you know so mm-hmm. if you've ever been to an opening there's a really interesting aspect because there's not only are the are the visitors you know who are spectating either a performance or a or just the works on the wall or on the floor or whatever the case is um there's that aspect of watching them from the lobby and uh it it, it creates a lot of uh, interesting questions and dialogue about you know public versus private space um and that that relationship between the uh kind of the intimate nature of small works or the outward nature of uh of performance or you know whatever the case might be um yeah you know it it evolved from conversation about just having a shared space that all of us could use for studio visits or or whatever and it quickly snowballed into inviting people in yeah um, and I've lost count now but we're we're into our second year we just decided on the uh, the next the second year of, of exhibition um, and we're, we're I can't really say too much now because people are uh, we're giving people the chance to commit to the the time slots sure um, but you know, it's it's exciting to see, to think about what might be coming, and you know, and it's difficult too because you know we're friends who are who are running a space, and we have to make difficult choices about you know highly qualified candidates, and um, you know, it's a sometimes it can be uh, complicated, and sometimes it's just really a joyous thing, right? Just to yeah. have people over, I sharing that space. I told you once. You know, before that, I thought of day and night, not mission statement wise, but just in terms of how it worked, almost like an Airbnb for artists where where you all allow an artist to come into the space, establish a momentary presence as Mm -hmm. an artist, provide some resources, you know, Mm -hmm. a little bit of help, some marketing, some, you know, just a place to flesh out some things. Yeah. and you're all giving artists a chance. You know, one of the yeah. things that I think Atlanta is still evolving into um, or still growing with respect to is enough spaces mm-hmm. for artists sure. to show work. Yeah. And so I think at a certain level, the more spaces, the more artists have a chance to bring their work to the public, get feedback or whatever they need to get from yeah. that moment. But I think you all are providing that in a somewhat different kind of capacity than mm-hmm. maybe a more you know, top-down driven, uh, you know, establishment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, well, that's, that sounds good. (laughs) I like that. um, Airbnb of art space. Yeah. um, Yeah. And, and again, I mean, I think you all are just giving folks chances, you know, and I think that's, that's a a cool thing and, you know. Well, you know, it's weird because I don't really even think about it. We just, we give people the credit to to do what they're good at and, uh, you know, somebody had said that um, we had done three of the things that most tr- traditional spaces can't or, or won't usually take on, uh, you know, water, uh, insects, uh, sand. The sand, <laughs> yes. Three tons of sand. Who's, who's, whose project was that? That was Amelia. Amelia, yes. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was a really, I mean, visually, with the colors and everything else, yeah. I thought that was just like a really, yeah. uh, really rich um, yeah, presentation. <clears throat> you know, and when uh, 
when my 12 year old thinks something is cool, you know, it, it usually is. <laughs> Got it. Um, Got it. But yeah. You know, it's, it's hard sometimes to imagine it any other way, you know, when you see, you see the work, it just, it, it feels so permanent. Mm. And, uh, you know, you have that moment maybe a day or two later after it's gone and the curtains go back up, you know, where we're, where we're at right now. And, uh, the, the next iteration is, is going to be a complete thing, you know, so going back to your, your now versus forever kind of thing, um, you know, yeah. we don't necessarily know what, what's coming next. Sometimes is, you don't know. Sometimes yeah. you don't know. We actually uh, don't know right now. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and then going back to your other hat as, yeah. as a teacher, yeah. um, given your own personal narrative of, you know, dance, Mm. visual art music having an interest there also yeah. um and then given your own career personal yeah. career as well as that of an administrator to a certain extent sure what is your approach when you're when you're talking with young artists who are you know one not necessarily from like a a grading standpoint but mm-hmm. when you're providing some level of mentorship or just perspective on what a career in the arts looks like or trying to give right-sized advice for whoever that person might be. Yeah. Um, what is your what is your general, you know, perspective on trying to teach the future? Self-reliance, uh, self-resourcefulness, you know. Um, I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, watching people get out of school and, and them being incapacitated by freedom, right? They, I think there's so many... Uh, students who need structure uh, and need to be told what to do and need to be told when it should be done and lack, end up lacking self-discipline once they're out. And so I, I, give, I give a lot of freedom um, because of that uh, and give, give people a chance to figure out how to, how to create what they want to do uh, on their own terms, using their own resources. And uh, a lot of times they've, they've flail they don't know what to do with that you know they say that they want something they're happy to get that opportunity but then they're not really sure what to do you know because they've been told for so long what to do how to do it and um, you know if you can't do that you, th- there's no way you're going to be able to do it once you're out of school you know so it's it's got to be something that it's completely authentic and self-driven and uh, all that you know so I try to give I try to give anybody I work with the tools to uh, to survive once they're out of school you know um, you know how to question stuff how to you know not necessarily in a, like a belligerent or oppositional way but just out of fun right uh, just out of curiosity um, so I mean I think that's that's where I come from right yeah. it's just being curious I like to do something different every day if I can um, sometimes to the detriment of things that are supposed to get done. Back, <laughs> back to the tinkering thing. Right, right. Just so full circle, yeah. Full circle. So what was I playing with, you know, I think the other day I was trying to figure out some connecting the dots on the iPad Pro. You know, for me that's some new territory. Uh, you know, making prints from it. Uh, figuring out, uh, you know, maybe doing some projections from it. Um, but ultimately, uh, you know, thinking about like, well, what what is the inherent nature of a of a particular medium, right? Like, 
they're just different. Not, something's not better or worse. It's just it's just what it is, right? Like uh, there there's a certain quality that gets lost when you print something that that you've been working on on the screen, right? Like it just looks better on a screen sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so I struggle a lot with that translation from digital to print and. For me, that's a personal territory that I want to figure out a little bit more. Um, but the other thing that's exciting is, you know, back in grad school, I, I did tons, I, you know, made a print on any kind of printer I could get my hands on. And I did a whole bunch of tests that I, I mean, not like I was some methodical person, but looking back, I, I it was all water-based stuff, you know, uh, like putting down acrylic so painting on, on on prints and seeing what would happen and in the process I learned what worked and what didn't work and now we have these pigment printers and uh, you know so instead of dye sitting on top of the paper they're actual it's actual pigment like like paint right and um, so there's some amazing opportunities there that that I'm excited to play with and uh, you know I've done a couple of tests and messed around with that um, Yeah. 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 Um, last question. So you, you, you talked about self-reliance for your students yeah. and really trying to, you know, know how to manage the freedom that you say that you want. Yeah. When did you master that for yourself? If you've ever mastered it, but, like, yeah. but, but when did, when did you at least come to that realization and yeah. understand how to work within that same level of, of, uh, of experience yeah well I don't know but I can still remember being a, a teenager and, and saying that word to myself self uh, discipline and thinking wow that's just not me <laughs> I, I could not fathom a time when I could be self disciplined and uh, you know I must have been 15, 16, 17 something like that and it's not until recently that I realized that I had actually become that person. Not to say I'm not still completely lazy in a lot of ways and, you know, things I can be self-critical about, but I don't know. I mean, I think, I don't know. I'm not really sure when that happened, when that transition happened, but, um, yeah. I mean, usually the lists are too long. I can imagine that your lists are too long, too. And most of the time, they're not all checked off, right? Right. But uh, I guess enough of it have gotten checked off over time. Um, yeah, but if anything, I you know I, I I've uh, I used to say I'm promiscuous with my materials, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, I I did this sculpture. Actually, we're so we're sitting at the Contemporary. I executed a sculpture here. Uh, that I showed in 2008 and uh, I had to work with steel and I remember sitting on top of this structure drilling uh, drilling holes in steel or trying to, well I, I did do them but it felt like it would take forever and uh, it was probably one of the hardest things I had done uh, in a lot of ways just that process and um, and anyway the, uh, the, the sculpture got installed at on the rooftop at Sandler Hudson Gallery and it survived the um, tornado that had happened. And one of the things that, to this day, that still completely blows me away was 
on the, the drive over to the gallery to see how it had made out after the tornado, I saw a, a billboard. Uh, I, the uh, the I-beams that the billboard had been on were, were bent like, like twigs, like a toothpick. And I just thought, I, I didn't know what to think. Nature just completely blew me away that day because, you know, to me, steel just seemed like such a massive monolithic thing and to see it just completely like, you know, bent like a piece of licorice or something like that it was just mind-blowing. And luckily the uh, piece, piece survived. I got some good advice as to how to, how to get it set on top of that. Um, How do we get here? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but I think survival and you no know, and trusting yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And understanding, you know, guess getting to that point of of self mastery and mastery of your craft. Hmm. Um, that's how we got here, and I think yeah. that's, that's a great place to kind of okay. put a pin in it. But I thank you. Thank you for having some time to spend with me, and I enjoy doing this. I think we need to to maybe grab a beer or something and do it again sometime soon. Yeah. Well, I. I've told you you're invited to set up shop when we have an exhibition sometime. That's why I wanted yeah. to have you be the first person to to to, to be in conversation with me in this space because I wanted to oh, make wow. sure that we were able to have a springboard to maybe yeah. doing something at day and night. So right. I'm with it. That sounds great. Cool. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Floyd. I love it. Thank you. <laughs>